<laughs> All right. Welcome to the Raz Blitz Podcast. I am your host, Matt Bowie. Some of you may know me as MB, if, if you're a new listener. Uh, the fancy season is over, but uh, as we do, we like to keep the season going. We like to keep the fun going, and we're going to talk about uh, what happened on, well, I guess it was kind of Black Monday, but more of a, a Black Sunday. Um, and yeah, we want to talk about the playoff games and coaching hirings. And I have Zach Robinson on tonight. Zach, how you doing? Ooh, I'm doing great. I didn't, I didn't think you've ever used my full name on the podcast before. I use it every single time. And every single time. Reed Cashmanian. Reed, how you doing? Uh, I feel playoff bound. I feel great. So. Oh yes. The Buffalo <laughs> Bills fan. How, how? How was your New Year's Eve? Okay, so I go into New Year's and I'm thinking, all right, I have a a number in mind of how many drinks I'm going to have. Um, The number stayed, went up about maybe 5% once I saw the play was 4th and 12. Because after the Bills, after the first quarter of the Bills game, we didn't have direct TV there and we just had like basic cable. And I was like, all right, like, I don't give a shit about this game anymore. This game's over. It's toast. Just put on the Baltimore Cincinnati game because it's the since he's the only team that I somehow have any faith can come up with a win because the Raiders stink and who's the other one? Um, Tennessee. And yeah, I had no faith in Jacksonville whatsoever. And lo and behold, and then once that throw from Andy Dalton, which makes you like realize, hey, he could maybe he can be like a good quarterback if the team doesn't suck around him. All of a sudden, my like drink quota went up like easily forty five percent. After that, there was about a two day hangover. Afterwards, oh my god! And, um, did did you go out? No, we never made it out. Um, the other people who went out though said that like they, like people were carrying like Bills flags into the bars and everything. Uh, oh, that's the fantastic. only pretty much the only song that was being played was the Bills shout song, which is just perfect. Um there was a lot of screaming, running around. It was uh pretty cool. The I mean, I'm sure everyone's seen all of the video reactions of like across the country of Bills fans celebrating. It's been a while. And it's Bill's actually, Mafia, man. It's it's Bill's Mafia. And they're putting on the like counter persona. Normally everyone thinks, oh my god, they're a bunch of third world savages just breaking perfectly uh usable, like foldable tables. Uh they've <laughs> now they're now up to over like a quarter million dollars in donations to Andy Dalton's foundation. Which oh is my actually which is actually like really nice. It's a really yeah. nice gesture. You would kind of hope that people would just do that regardless, but it's kind of funny. And now Tyler Boyd, the guy who actually caught that pass, is like, "Hey guys, if you're still feeling generous, I have a foundation as well." And apparently, it like skyrocketed already over their expectations in like eight hours. So oh, that's a, that's awesome. Yeah, it's a nice feel good story. So. All right, the Bills. The Bills are making the playoffs. So uh, play Jacksonville on Sunday at noon, my time. I don't know about your time. I don't care about it's, your time. It's one <laughs> one p.m. Eastern. Yeah, one o'clock. Yep, uh, and we'll get to that game in a little bit. We're just going to go down the line a little bit. But first, before we get into the games, I know uh, 
both of you wanted to talk about coach firings, and we all have our thoughts about John Gruden. So, Zach, I'll start with you. Um, what do you think about the prospect of John Gruden coaching the Raiders? And I think we're going to know by tomorrow whether he's doing that or not. Yeah, so in our in our group chat, when the news was announced, I think the consensus of you, both of you guys, uh, Stan and Viz, was that John Gruden was going to be an awful coach. Personally, I don't think um, I don't think he's going to be a bad coach whatsoever. I don't think he's getting into a very tough gig at all. Um, I think they have a very great young core at uh, in offense. You know, aside from Marshawn Lynch and Michael Crabtree, who it would shock me if both of them are on the team in you know in a year or two. Um, they've got Derek Carr. I, I like both of their young running backs, um, Jalen Richard and DeAndre Washington. I really like Amari Cooper. I think if they added another great receiver from the draft class, I think that would increase it as well. Um, and you add certain pieces in the secondary to complement Khalil Mack. I, I really don't think that it's a you know they're not in a really super tough division. I think the Raiders can do you know just fine and. You know, correct me if I'm wrong, but they do start to play in Vegas next season, correct? Uh, no. 2019. Okay, so that's st- and maybe maybe they play in 2019. It depends on if the stadium's uh, finished no, or not. So you know, again, this is kind of down the road, and this is a bit of a stretch, but we we saw what happened with um, the Golden Knights this year. There's a legitimate edge to play in Vegas. Uh, you know, that that's just a theory that I have. Um, you know, I, I really don't think this is a bad move. And again, you know, a lot of people are out there saying, you know, oh, the transition from, you know, the the booth to the field may not work really well. But the last time that I can remember of a coach going from the booth to the field was Dick Vermeil, and he won a Super Bowl. Now, I know this is a totally different, you know, time and place, and the NFL has changed vastly, but I really don't think it's a bad move for the Raiders to have Gruden. All right. Um, just kind of piggybacking off of what you said, Gruden is going to the right situation for him because the offense is kind of in place, even though it's vastly underperformed this year. Um, Michael Crabtree is expected to be released. Um, Marshawn Lynch might come back for another year, which would be good. The offensive line, if, if it's healthy, it's very solid. But, yeah, like, Gruden's a defensive-minded coach, and he preaches toughness on defense. So, I mean, if the team's going to get a boost at all, it'll be on the defensive side of the ball where they really, really need it. Uh, They have Khalil Mack. um, They have a safety they got a couple drafts ago that um, is a banger. And I don't think they touch the offensive side of the ball in the draft uh, because they – they really need to improve their defense. The the thing about defenses, though, is it, they're so they they're so reliant on the scheme, scheme, not just scheme, but their own team's offense, right? And we saw it with San Francisco these past few games. If you're an offense that won't turn the ball over and 
avoids giving their defense short fields to work with. The 49ers offense or defense was absolute garbage like a majority of the season. But when Garoppolo came in and started pushing the ball down the field, eating up clock, not, you know, giving time for their defense to get rested, they were an absolute force. I, I think the same can be said for Oakland this year. You know, their defense in years past you know, was definitely trending upward. Khalil Mack had an MVP type season, you know, two years mm-hmm. ago because their offense was, you know, chewing up clock and pushing the ball down the field. Well, what happened this year? Their defense was garbage because their offense, the offense vastly yeah. underperformed. If Gruden can take this offense and just do, you know, the bare minimum, their defense will make absolute, you know, leaps and bounds. Yeah, that was my glasses half full uh, kind of take on the whole situation. Um, my reality, what I really think is going to happen is it's going to be a complete fucking disaster. Um, but why? <laughs> so Gruden uh, took over Tampa Bay after Tony Dungy built basically a champion where I think they lost twice in the NFC Championship uh, the year the years before he got there, and he inherited... Uh, he inherited that team and took, I mean, took him to the Super Bowl, took him over the hump. That's great and all, but the next six years were just a complete disaster. I think they made the playoffs one time, and he ended up getting fired, and people in Tampa forget that, and they're bummed out that, you know, they're keeping Dirk Cutter around. I'm, I'm not a huge Dirk Cutter fan myself, but I... I, even though the the thought of Gruden excited me, it's it's still kind of a relief. But uh, I'll go ahead and throw it to Reed because I know he has some words about this. Okay, so uh, I talked about this on the hockey podcast with uh, Viz earlier. Um, I think a lot of it, we all like to think that it starts with, okay, is the head coach any good? Okay, and does he have the players there? Um Zach, anytime the the media or like the sports, um, like sports talk radio or anything, starts praising the Patriots, where does it start? If you don't mind me asking, well, where does it start? I mean, usually, on the food on the food chain in the organization, where does it start? It usually starts at either Brady or Belichick. Keep going up. Where does it start? Uh, aside from the field, it would start with the crafts then. Okay, when we talk about the Pittsburgh Steelers, when we talk about um, how they're a model franchise, do we start with Mike Tomlin? No. No. Who do we start with when we talk about the Steelers? But do they st- do they start with their front office, though? Uh, yeah, I guess. No, their it ability. starts with the, own, the Roonies, yes. Uh, when we talk about the Giants, who do we talk about? We talk about John Morrow. When we talk about the Cowboys, no one's sitting there talking about how good of a coach Jason Garrett is. Also, I'm like 90% certain Jerry Jones just forgot to fire Jason Garrett. Like <laughs> Every year he forgets to. I think it's a big cat from Barstool makes a joke about it. But like, the more I think about it, like he's gone seven and nine, like three of the last, they've missed the playoffs six out of the last eight years. How the fuck is he still coaching there? Well, nah, nah, dude, he, he claps a lot. He claps a lot. Yeah, he does clap a lot. Okay, well, my point is, like, bad ownership trickles down. So when I look at, um, let's take a couple big ones, the work that Sean McVay's been doing for the Rams, I think is, like, 
so underappreciated because of how bad of an owner Stan Kroenke is. Mm-hmm. I think Stan Kroenke is a terrible owner. Um, you look at, let's go to Washington with um, whatever that fuck face his name is. Uh, Dan, Dan Snyder. Snyder. Dan yeah. Snyder. Then the front office with uh, Bruce Allen is a complete joke. And their franchise is now just a meddling, like, clusterfuck. The Cowboys, Jerry Jones, interjects himself too much, doesn't know what he's doing. And their team, I, like, I will never see them as a Super Bowl contender for as long as he's the owner. Um, let's go back to when Al Davis, after they lost in the Super Bowl, ever since... Since then, until Al Davis passed away, that team was just, like, bad. It's just bad ownership. He made he just picked the guy who had the fastest combine, time, uh, 40 time. There was never any, like, stro- like deep-down thinking, like, culture building. And I'm not trying to pull a Sean McDermott-built culture and process here. But it comes from, like, ownership. And when I look at Mark Davis, first of all, just on looks alone, no, not a good owner. Like, <laughs> do like uh, like that haircut looks no, like a lot of a dumb and dumber. Then I get to uh, like decisions that he's made. The, the guy's an idiot. Like the guy is just a complete clown. And I don't think that. And it's one of those things where the bad ownership is going to trickle down into personnel decisions. You look at Cleveland, horrendous ownership. And I will take like twenty minutes just screaming about why the fuck Hugh Jackson should just be gone from the NFL entirely. But that's besides the point. John Gruden, like, what's he going to do that Jack Del Rio couldn't? I I guess is my thing. Like, what specifically this year? We talked about how Derek Carr was injured for a lot of the year. Amari Cooper all of a sudden developed the yips and couldn't catch anything for 13 out of the 16 games that he played, or 13 out of 16 weeks. So... And then you're getting rid of Michael Crabtree, who, aside from getting his chain yanked every time they played Denver, was actually wildly effective for the Raiders. What exact? And then they were injured on the offensive line. Khalil Mack just disappeared. Um, it's not like, oh, well, he didn't have help. Like, you can still do things as a defensive end. And like Khalil Mack, like, does anyone remember like a big play that he had? This year, not this year. But so he gets, he gets double teamed a lot. How many times does JJ Watt get double teamed? How many times do these other elite defensive end? How many times does Von Miller get double teamed? How many games has JJ Watt played in the past three years? You. That's not the point, though. <laughs> I, the point is, like, I know. I know you have to be on the field in order to be effective, but he's on the. Khalil Mack was on the field, and I don't think he was overly that effective this year. And a lot of like. Again, I'm pretty sure I've still got over 10 sacks. Like he, there's a stretch where he had five games in a row where he had a sack. And I mean, I always see him in the backfield. So I just, I have to part, disagree part, with you there. Part of me is what, like, I like, do we agree? Did Jack Del Rio deserve to be fired? Uh, yeah. They, I mean, yeah. they took him to the, they took him to the playoffs last year. So no, I mean, he I, didn't deserve to get fired. So no, I don't, if you're going to make this move, it has to be because it has to be another, it's an upgrade, right? Can anyone sit here and say John Gruden, after nine years doing Monday Night Football, is an upgrade over Jack Del Rio? I think so. I can't say that. I don't either. think it's I a like, huge. I, I don't think it's a huge upgrade, but I think it's 
you know, you've got to you've got to have a different voice in the locker room. It, there's so much more than just you know what can Gruden do that Del Rio couldn't. I, I I just think it's it's new leadership. It's taking the team in a different direction. It's you know. I, I understand that they made the playoffs last year, but up until I think the past two seasons, Marvin Lewis was constantly making the playoffs, and everyone was saying that he should have been fired. Like I know it's a different well, that's area. Cause could, that's because he never won. Yeah, but, but I don't he, has, he hasn't how, won a single playoff. Your game. argument about how it's a different voice that's needed. Jack Del Rio was there for what two years? Yeah, he made the playoffs. His first yeah, he made the playoffs his first year. They went, I think, twelve and eleven and five. And that was with Derek Carr going out in like week sixteen or something. I, I I don't I don't get it in my mind. Like the the if you listen to the players, and I think listening to the exit interviews of the players after the coach has been let go, actually tells you a lot about what the problem was. And to me, listening to like Reggie Nelson talk to Derek Carr talk, it wasn't the coach. It wasn't coaching that was a problem. So then when ownership somehow decides we need to bring John Gruden in because we need to what make a splash to change the voice in the locker room. Problem was that the voice wasn't the problem. They just had a couple injuries. They just had a some like bad luck and bad string of games. Like that shit happens. And you talked about how oh well they have it's not a difficult division. Is I like I see Patrick Mahomes coming in for Kansas City next year and looking really good. I I don't see Kansas City falling off. Denver can't get any worse than they were this year. And I think they continue to be bad. <laughs> they said the same thing about the Browns last year. We won't go 1-15 again. Well, you went 1-16. Oh, <laughs> they, they were right on that. And then for St. Lake, the Chargers, do we think they're going to get be no, worse No, I think year? I think they're trending in the right direction. Okay, so like where's yeah. where's the great No, no, you you make a you make a great point. Those those were all great points. So that's where I'm just confused. I I just think firing Jack Del Rio made absolutely no sense whatsoever. And if it's part of uh, what is it, Mark Davis, whatever the mm-hmm. clown kid's name is, his idea of oh well we're gonna be a big attraction when we get to Las Vegas, a winning team is a big attraction anywhere. You look, Zach mentioned it earlier in the NHL, the Vegas Golden Knights, they weren't built. They don't have like superstars. They have a bunch of players that other teams said, nah, it's okay if you take them. <laughs> they are 17-2-1 at home, and they have the best coach who got fired for dumb reasons. They hired him, and he's doing a great job. I don't think John Gruden is going to do the job that Gerard Gallant is doing with the Vegas Golden Knights. I, I just don't see it. And I, I think it's going to be a smack, in, smack to reality coming up here because this Raiders team is not as good as the Tampa team that John Gruden took over when Tampa Bay won the Super Bowl. Right. So that that's why I just think it's not a good hire. So then no, I, 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 I would have loved if they waited on like Pat Shermer or say um, Joe DiFilippo, John DiFilippo. So, DiFilippo, so while, the quarterback's coach from Yeah, Philly, he's going to end up coaching the Bears. Which will be a perfect hire. Oh, exactly! Absolute, I mean, absolutely perfect hire. He he did fantastic things with Carson Wentz the past two seasons, and um, 
it would be the perfect fit for Mitch Trubisky, who we've seen has a lot of potential. Um, he needs some weapons around him. I was completely wrong on the guy, but he looks like he's going to be a pretty good quarterback. And that, yeah, I agree 100%. That's a great hire for them. Um, now, I know you wanted to talk about Matt Patricia a little bit because his name's going to be coming up uh, quite a bit in, in the head coaching carousel. Yeah. Um, so, Zach, you can uh, like disagree with me on this. I feel like there's a trend, and it's not really a trend. It feels like it's like a painfully obvious thing that everyone just in the NFL in front offices just pretends like doesn't exist. Patriots coordinators don't actually go on to be very good head coaches. Oh, no. Yeah, no, I have a strong, strong, strong feeling about this. But if, uh, if you guys want to get I to think, this now, we can. But we I, think Matt well. Pat- I think Matt Patricia is going to be just absolutely horrendous where he goes. I don't know if he'll be absolutely horrendous, but you're right. You're you're 1,000% correct. They're, the track record of the offense and defensive coordinators for the Patriots – once they leave Belichick has not been great. Um, McDaniels, when he took over Denver, Denver. he was absolute garbage. Um, when Charlie Weiss left and he went to a whole bunch of different areas and he wasn't very successful at any of them. Um, Romeo Cornell was okay. Uh, he took over the chiefs for a little bit. He was okay. I think our greatest success story has always been either like front office positions under Belichick with um, I'm blanking on his name, but he's now the GM of the Falcons. He's doing a great job. Um, Mike Vrabel is, I think the, he's some coach. He's not a coordinator. I think he's he's in Houston. Yeah. He's like the offensive or defensive uh, line coach. Um, You know, these different coaches have found success. It hasn't really been the coordinators. Now, in a, in a perfect world, I would have loved um, for Belichick to you know have you know sat down with Patricia or uh, McDaniel's and said, "Okay, when I'm gone, you're taking over this team. You're taking over a great franchise, um, and you'll be successful." But in reality, when is that going to happen? Fifteen or five, six years down the road. Um, I would have loved if they kept Jimmy Garoppolo, but they traded him away for like a late first round value. Um, I, you know, and so well, not anymore because <laughs> they yeah, ended up, I think, you know, uh, they a ended lot up of, winning six games. Yeah, so. so but it's still you know if you look at it, it's still technically like a late first or late first because it's like an early second, which is no, usually, it's not an early second. They're back like in the ten spot. I mean, that, yeah, they, but that's they still, ended up winning yeah. more games than Tampa, and Tampa's in the eighth spot. I mean, yeah. So you know, I would love for McDaniel's and Patricia to stay, but I think Patricia's going to go to Detroit, and I'm not sure where McDaniel's is going to go. Well, I think wherever current- McDaniel's goes, I th- I think he'll have some success. Um, I think coaches tend to figure it out a little bit more on their and on their second go around in the league um i don't really have any you know great examples off the top of my head but i mean he's been in the nfl forever and i think wherever josh mcdaniels goes i think it'll go a lot better than the disaster that he had in uh, in denver right now he's currently interviewing in uh, indianapolis and i actually oh, think that would be time. a I actually, no one that there. goes there is going to have any success. Okay, so if An- well, I guess it comes down to if Andrew Luck is actually healthy, 
I, I think Josh McDaniels, what he really needs is just a really good quarterback. That uh, someone who's they, not a rookie. They, just, that they he need can an go. offensive line. Well, luckily for them, they're drafting pretty high. Um, my guess, if I'm so, I guess if you go through the draft, if I'm the Giants, if I'm the Colts, and if I'm the Browns with the fourth pick, I actually think I trade out of those picks and I try and collect multiple picks in the second round and then a first rounder next year because like quarterback I, I could I could see a mock draft and hopefully I'll be able to do some mock draft work for Asball. So woohoo. Um yep. woo. hopefully like I could see a world where it's Darnold, Rosen, Allen, and then like I think I know, the Browns Baker are Mayfield. going to end up taking Allen. In like or, like some order of those quarterbacks, I could see a world where three or four quarterbacks would go in the first four picks. Yeah, sure. I yeah. think it's actually going to happen. No, like for the, a really really good draft for the Browns at picks one and four. If they do take Josh Allen at one, I, I'm I'm telling you right now, I would take Saquon Barkley at four. Yeah, because yeah. I know that the second and third pick will be either traded into or those teams will be drafting a quarterback. Well, no, not the Colts. The Colts are guaranteed to either take an offensive lineman or drop out of that pick, which will then be a quarterback. The Giants are, are not taking a re- uh, Saquon Barkley second. If they do, they are morons. But then you just take Barkley at four. Then you have, like, your number, your franchise quarterback. You have a, like, generational running back there as well. The Probably the best running back prospect since Adrian Peterson. Mm-hmm. So... Like, then all of a sudden you have an offense of Josh Allen, number one overall pick, or Josh Rosen, or Sam Darnold, or whoever. Saquon Barkley and Duke Johnson as your running backs. Um, David Njoku as a young, really talented tight end. And then you have Josh Gordon and Corey Coleman on the on the edges. Like, yeah. I don't know about you guys, but that sounds like one of the best, like, core offenses you could have yeah in terms I, just, of- I just think josh allen i mean we'll talk about it in the coming months i think he's a complete disaster like i oh. i do not see it like i watched him play a couple times this year he had a good bowl game but i mean i just don't see it like i i get it he's tall he's white he can throw a a, a good ball but uh, i want one of the other three I say if if I was the if I was the GM of the Cleveland Browns and it sounds crazy but I would wait on a quarterback this year and probably next year as well like I think they should just take like two or three years and like one of those um I'm blanking on the term of it when like Christian girls like pledge their you know holiness abstinence, abstinence. like they should take they should like be refrained um from drafting quarterbacks until two or three years down the road. They should focus on building an <laughs> offensive line. They clearly, clearly have not shown any talent in um, in scouting Sign quarterbacks. Case Keenum. It's not even Case Keenum, though. Like, Deshaun Kaiser is not a horrible quarterback. Again, it's just they should just wait and just draft an offensive lineman and continue building around that core of guys, young core of guys, because their defense is on paper looks really, really good. But again, it's the offense giving them short fields 
and the defense having to defend the 20 after, you know, sitting on the bench for five seconds before Kaiser throws an interception. Like, do we really think Baker Mayfield or Darnold or Rosen or Allen or any of these guys, do we, do we really think they're going to change, you know, turn it around and change this franchise in one season? I think no. Baker Mayfield good. I think Baker Mayfield good. I think Mayfield, Mayfield is by far and away the best uh, quarterback in this draft class, and he's definitely my favorite. Absolutely, and he's he's going to take a knock for being six one. But uh, yeah, but I mean, if if Russell Wilson and D- Deshaun Watson, like, I don't think people should care about height. Anymore. I think Lamar Jackson's going to get overlooked, and I think he's going to have a ton of yeah, success. Yeah, yeah, like this is a deep quarterback class, and the there's definitely that I can remember. Yeah, there, it's definitely like a really deep quarterback class, and. I am totally on board for them drafting one of these, you know, you know, Wisconsin, Iowa bred offensive linemen or just another piece besides a quarterback and taking Lamar Jackson in the second or third round. Like nope, I, they're going to oh, take Lamar the Jackson. six foot five white guy. Yeah, Lamar like I, I don't think they should. Make it out of... Yeah, I, I, yeah I, Lamar Jackson make it out of the first round. He won't make it out of the first round. He will. What, what's going to happen is the team's going to trade up at the end of the first round to grab him if he's somehow still there. Um, if I'm say, I don't know, if I'm the, to hmm, go Jacksonville. Yeah, if I'm Jacksonville and Blake Bortles blows in this postseason, uh, if he blows and he throws like three interceptions against Lord the Bills, Jackson, they're, they're not going to. They're not going to get past Buffalo. That's my hot take. Oh, I don't disagree. I actually don't disagree either, shockingly. Um, <laughs> so I guess it's not really a hot take. I think we're all picking Buffalo in that game, but uh, at least the points. We'll, at, we'll, we'll at get least. to it. We'll, we'll get we'll get to it later. What, what were you gonna say? Eventually. I think. God. No, go for it. No, I think the just the draft theory and how these teams are going to operate. Like I can now, I can see a world where um, the arbitration ruling comes down and A.J. McCarron gets ruled a UFA instead of an RFA, and Hugh Jackson goes out of his way just to sign A.J. McCarron in the offseason, and he claims, that's my franchise quarterback. Then Cleveland, then they trade out of the number one pick because they still have the number four pick, expecting just three quarterbacks to go on the first three picks, and then they take Barkley at four. Like, I can envision a world where that happens. Like, if I'm if I'm Buffalo and I have two first-round picks, they're going to both be in the 20s. But I can give up both of my firsts a second this year and, say, a second next year. Why couldn't I move up to Cleveland's spot there and take Darnold or Rosen? No, that's a, that's a great point. But the only thing I, I will just say, and... We'll talk more about this in the in the coming months, but from two years of coverage for the NFL draft, and especially last year where we amped it up, uh, mm-hmm. uh, you know, you and me, Matt, um, nothing goes the way we think it will. Like p- team straight up for you know um, Mitch Trubisky. Like the the strangest things happen. You know, it, it it might make sense for a team to go with Barkley or an offensive lineman or a cornerback, but they'll trade up and draft like a middle linebacker, and you're looking at it and you're like, why would you do that? And then it doesn't pan out, and you're like, you're so stupid. But it, they can't hear you because you're talking into a microphone for a podcast. Yeah, um, I mean, 
we all we can do is do our best to guess what position which team needs and then i mean the trades and all that stuff take care of themselves but as far as quarterback needy teams this year i feel like those moves will be made this year to correct that to correct those problems just because of the depth of this class at the quarterback position i mean there's there's five first round quarterbacks possibly so uh I think the teams that need quarterbacks will get their quarterbacks, maybe not the ones they want, sans the the Cleveland Browns last year. But, um, yeah, I think that's that's how that's going to shake out. And, you know, I'd like to see Saquon Barkley uh, somewhere other than Cleveland. But, you know, that's a problem. Actually, you know, he could have some success there. It's just Hugh Jackson calling the plays. That's really the problem. That is the biggest problem is that Hugh Jackson is somehow still the fucking coach there. He has I won mean, God, one they game have such in a the... good offensive line, too. Okay, here we go. Hugh Jackson has won one game in the last two years. The Raiders went 6-10 and 10 this year and 11-5 and five last year. Yeah, but name me one coach that would do better. Or anybody. Least... <laughs> anybody. Yeah, just the point I want to make is that I don't think a lot of people could Win, exactly. have a they, winning season. They won zero, they won zero games. Yeah, I'm, They could have yeah. put a player right, yeah. with say, a headset say. on, and it would have coached just as efficiently no, that's as a good Hugh point. Jackson did. That's a good point. He should No, I'm I mean, sorry. Say, say, Cle- say Cleveland hired um, what's uh, Atlanta's uh, Shanahan instead of Hugh Jackson. I mean, that's probably a 6-7 win team this year. Yes. That's I mean, pretty if, bold, but I like it. If if Cleveland hired uh, D. Filippo from, he was already their offensive coordinator a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. Where he took it was like Josh McCown, Johnny Manziel, and some other and some other ridiculous quarterback, and got like forty three hundred yards passing out of them. I'm sorry if I take that guy and I put him in Cleveland with a, a number one overall pick at quarterback, and then Saquon Barkley at four with the other uh, young talent that we've already established that's on that team on offense. I don't know about you guys, but that's actually a team that terrifies me. It's the same thing with the Bears. Like, if he goes to the Bears, I, I like. I think the Bears could push nine wins next year. Mm-hmm. I like. I really do. They're just all they have to do is just sign a wide out free agency, take a wide out with one of their picks, take Calvin Ridley, and congratulations, you've like and get an off a young offensive head coach that can sit there and work with Trubisky. Well, bam, they're going to be actually on paper. If, if the Rams did it, anyone can. If yep. honestly, though, on paper, I feel much better about the future for Cleveland than I do Chicago. Uh, it just depends who. Like I, I mean, know, like I know what it sounds easy. What Reed just said, but the likelihood of them getting like four receivers is not very high. The likelihood of them holding on, of Cleveland holding on to Josh Gordon after this year is very slim. Yeah, but like uh, honestly, in in Chicago, they might just be like, "All right, Kevin White, is this, is this year going to be your year?" No, hey, man, I, it's like they have an extra first round pick every year because Kevin White yeah, back from injury. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right, let's get to these games. Um, I want to start with the Saturday game. Uh, Tennessee Titans are nine point dogs to the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, I'll take a stab at this first. I think I like Kansas City in the points. And uh, I'll throw it to you, Reed. Um, all right. So 
Oh, what did you say the spread was? Because that nine right now. I have I have nine, and I think Kansas City minus nine is a good play. Um, here's my take: the Tennessee Titans are the worst team to make the playoffs since the Seattle Seahawks went seven and nine and won their division. No, no, Miami last year was pretty awful. Miami was ten and well, six last year. They would have been okay and, if it and with, Matt and if, yeah, and Tannehill got hurt. Yeah, but, there's your problem. Yeah. What I'm saying is, Tennessee, like, I got a uh, quote from Delaney Walker. Where'd it go? It's an absolute gem of a quote. And when you talk about bad coaching, this quote, it's like the most ridiculous thing for a team that actually made the playoffs. He's talking about whether um, Marcus Mariotti needs to scramble more. And he said, sometimes you've got to overcome coaching. (laughs) I'm sorry. Yeah, it's Mike Malarkey. Mike Malarkey stinks. Anyone in Buffalo knows that Mike Malarkey stinks as a head coach. And and it's like, this surprises nobody. Tennessee is just a doldrum of mediocrity and just disappointment. I mean, I was all in on Marcus Mariota this year, but I did not think the coaching staff was going to just completely decimate them. And, oh, my God. um, If there's a team that I would... If I had to guess a team that would fire a head coach if they lost the playoffs, I would actually think it's Tennessee. Yeah, I don't disagree. What, what Zach? Who, and uh, Reed, you can answer this question too. Who's winning the, uh, who's winning the battle right now? Uh, Mariota or Winston? Uh, Winston. You guys would rather have Winston than Mariota in, in their yeah, careers I, so far? I would, yeah. What, do you, what about you, Reed? Can I, can I say neither? <laughs> yeah. I no, actually, I mean obviously, yeah. I mean you look um, at Jared Goff and Carson Wentz and you're like, fuck, but <laughs> I think I think deep down, I think I would still take Mariota, but like good God. Um like there's like there's so many times where I see Mariota make a play and it's like, okay, he's Tyrod Taylor but actually makes throws over the middle. And then there's other times I'm like, what is, like, you look like a mediocre college quarterback who went to the wrong stadium and no one said anything. It, it's crazy, so it's I crazy don't, because so I don't get it. It, it honestly does, again, come down to malarkey. Mariota is not in the right system for him to succeed. 100% agree. Mariota is, is in an offense where uh, Peyton Manning should be. Where we're I'm gonna sorry, exact, exotic Smash Mouth is in not football is the dumbest. It's thing not. It's I've not the ever, dumbest thing. Like I understand relying thing. on the run. Like I, I think that's a really good idea. But I don't think you should do that if you have a mobile quarterback. So I just want to make a point about Winston, real quick. Before we move on to the Falcons and Rams, um, I think that Winston is just like he's almost there. Like it's just the bad throws yeah. have to change. Yeah, the the, the interceptions have to go. I mean, way we down. saw we saw the last three weeks just the potential that the kid has playing against three tough uh, opponents that all made the playoffs. Um, they. Beat the Saints last week. Um, I think towards the fourth quarter, it may have been a little meaningless for for the Saints uh, because they could look at the scoreboard and see that Atlanta was in control of the game. Nonetheless, Winston led a game-winning drive, and uh, he uh, threw his best pass of the season to Charles Godwin. 
or, or Chris Godwin, I'm sorry. Um, yes. And man. yeah, because I forgot <laughs> someone's first name. Jesus, fire me. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think Winston is almost there. It's just he's he has to play better in the first two quarters of the game, and that's always been his problem. He's always been a second-half quarterback. He's He starts games slow. Um, he had a decent start to the season against the Bears, and then the very next week, like, he was atrocious against the Vikings. Like, believe me, I was there. He's horrible. And it it's just a couple tweaks, and I think Jameis is in the top half of the quarterbacks in this league. I mean, yeah. Anyone care to disagree with me? No, I, I, I think you're, I think you're totally right. Um, yeah, yeah. Reed, are you going to bury any dreams? No, I'm not going to bury anything. I don't have a shovel with me. I'm good. Yeah, Matt, you're not a Pats fan. He has no beef with you. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, you're... <laughs> I, ju- I just like to say for those of you um, that are not which is everyone for those of you uh, listeners out there that aren't in our uh, group chat. Um, I am still not 100% confident that I'm friends with Viz anymore. (laughs) Um, We'll get there. We'll get there. We'll get there. Yeah, we'll we'll, we'll get there. there. (laughs) We'll get there. I mean, these these things take time. It got a little heated. uh, Friendships were almost ruined (laughs) over Calvin Benjamin's. Christmas Eve was not very merry in in the (laughs) Razzball group chat. Um, All right, Atlanta Falcons and Los Angeles Rams. uh, The Rams are six-point favorites against uh, Matt Ryan and Steve Sarkeesian. I like the Rams side of this. I like the six points. I feel pretty comfortable taking that. I'll throw it to my other better read. Uh, yeah, I also like the Rams a lot here. The Falcons, they're just going to scream a disappointment here, I think. Um, it's just going to be Todd Gurley all day. Oh, yeah. They're just going to feed Todd Gurley so much, and it's going to just dominate. All right, Zach. Uh, yeah, I I think Los Angeles is going to win this game by twenty or some odd points. I don't see any. Uh, I don't think Atlanta has a good enough defense at all to respond to this Rams uh, passing attack and uh, rush game. I don't think Atlanta's offense can get off the ground um, against this Rams defense. And I would like to speak first about the Bills Jaguars game. Uh, okay. Yeah. Wait, 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 yes. wait. Hold on. We hold on. We have one other big game in between those, though. No. Um, we, 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 can, I can I guess it? Can I guess it? Can I guess it? I was going yes. down the times. Yeah. Guess. Is it? Uh, wait. When's the Canada USA World Juniors game? I no, don't it's think a football. It. No, I'm talking about. I'm talking about football. Oh, is it college football? Of course it is. It's North Dakota State versus James Madison Ooh. and the uh, FCS. Uh, the, title game. Can, the can 20th that? year in a row that North Dakota State's in the final? Nah, man. Richmond normally gets in there. Uh, James Madison is the team that's all, like, always nah, there. Nah, dude. North Dakota State's been in the title game of Division West. Two since, like, I was, like, four. Well, everyone, I'll tell you just, I, everyone just X'd out of their iTunes. <laughs> <laughs> nah, nah. They, I mean, they were just, here to hear kidding. hot takes only about Division Two college football. Yeah, I actually have nothing. Uh, to contribute to that game. I haven't read up enough on it. Um, but we can go to Bills-Jags, though. So, Zach, as Zach, the Pats fan, 
as a Pats fan who really wants to see the Bills in the uh, divisional round of the playoffs, tell us why you like Buffalo in this game. Um, well, first off, they've got they've got to perform on my birthday. My birthday Sunday, so they they gotta they gotta win one for uh for me and you. Reed. Thanks. Happy birthday, Zach. Thank you. It's happy, not my birthday yet. Happy, That's Sunday. Um, thank you. Well, Reed. it's one That's day closer correct. when this podcast comes out. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I think Buffalo can definitely win this game, and I'll tell you why. Buffalo's defense is good enough to keep up with um the Jacksonville's offense. Everyone was talking about how Blake Bortles was absolutely garbage for most of this year. And then when he played Houston, an absolute, you know, dumpster fire of a defense, um, he put up like the he put up like top five quarterback numbers. Um, he also did it against Seattle. And he also did it against uh, Seattle and as well. And Indianapolis. Exactly. So then he plays against Tennessee, a uh, middle of the road, fairly decent defense. And he did not play at all. And it helps him that he's in Jacksonville. But I think Buffalo's defense is talented enough to keep them in this ball game. I think this is going to be like the the over under set at thirty nine and a half. I would I know it's it's against our nature to bet the unders, but I would smash this under. I don't think this game yeah, is going I, to reach. I agree. I agree with this you is this is like a you know. 10-7 type game, like a 10-3 to type game. I think Buffalo, I think, you know, Tyrod can do, like, maybe one thing right, and that will win them the game. I, I don't think it's going to take a lot for Buffalo to beat Jacksonville. I think they can do it. All right, go ahead, Reed. So I'm kind of conflicted on this because, to me, the winner of this game will be determined by the end of the first quarter. Um, what I mean by that is whatever team has to start chasing points is it, I don't think this game, it's not going to feel close. If that makes any sense. Mm -hmm. Like if the bills go down and they score, say like, if there was ever a game where the Bills should be like, we want the, they win the toss, like, we want the ball. It should be this game right here. If they get Jacksonville, uh, out of their running game, they stop if they go down and they score because Rick Dennison is a genius at the first two series of the game and then has absolutely no idea what to do the rest of the game. If they can go down and punch it in the end zone the first two times, then all of a sudden I'm sitting there thinking, force Blake Bortles to throw the ball, and you already have you have two defensive backs who have five plus interceptions each. You have and Tredavious White is the top was the second rated uh, corner in Pro Football Focus this year, I believe. He was the number one uh, rookie. Like I, to me, I could. I if Jacksonville has to throw the ball, I think they're going to lose this game because I think Blake Bortles is not prolific enough in terms of uh, like underneath meticulous throwing, where he's going to beat the Bills linebackers. He's. Not, I don't think he'll beat the defensive backs. I think everything's going to have to be linebackers or getting like a weird like Jerry Hughes has to drop in coverage type situation. But I don't. I don't. I don't see Jacksonville being able to do that. And let's not forget Leonard Fournette has not been the overpowering dominant running back that he was at the beginning of the year. The past like eight weeks, he's actually been kind of kept in check. And I don't know if it's his ankle because that's still bad. bothering him. 
That's a bad take. That's a that's a bad take, Matthew. He sucks. Well, he's also it's also more games that he's had to play before, and even at LSU. You would see in the bowl game, in the title games or whatever, he like eventually like he's gonna get tired if he's carrying all that time. And maybe the injury is slowing him down and keeping him like not at a hundred percent. But I can see a Bills team coming out here. I mean, you got guys on the defense that played for Doug Marone, and I, like I'll, it's pr- it's a pretty obvious storyline. These Bills players who played under Doug Marone, they fucking hate him. They hate Doug Marone. And the last thing they're going to do is just be like, yeah, no, Doug Marone, yeah, they'll just run all over us. If you make Blake Bortles beat you, I think the Bills have a good shot in this game. Reed, speaking of of running backs that are not at 100%, how confident are you in LaShawn McCoy and his ability to help Buffalo win this football game? So I'm actually lucky that Viz isn't here because I think he's going to kill me. I don't know if LaShawn McCoy would be the difference that wins or loses this game for Buffalo regardless. This game for Buffalo is going to be won or lost on two things. If Blake Bortles has to throw the ball 35-plus times, and if Tyrod Taylor scores two touchdowns. If Tyrod Taylor doesn't turn the ball over and gets two scores or two touchdowns and then gets a field goal here or there, like I, I think the Bills will will win this one. I think Charles Clay is the key the key component to this game. I think if Charles yeah, Clay it's gonna be it's gonna be a lot of can Tyrod Taylor escape the initial pass rush. And if he can do that and get outside the pocket, then he can either it keeps the linebackers in check because they have to keep someone as a spy. They can't afford to drop the linebackers all in coverage and they can't afford when they blitz to miss. Like, they have to get to Tyrod. If they miss him and he slips out, it's a 35-yard game. So, it'll be interesting to see a 1 o'clock game, though. Like, okay. And it's almost like Game of Thrones where the Bills are bringing winter down to Jacksonville with all this snow and the ice and stuff in Florida. It's actually kind of funny that all of a sudden Florida's starting to get really cold. Yeah, it might actually snow tomorrow, which is insane. Hey, global warming, man. Hey, no, nah, no, nah, man, no, nah, man. It's a, it's a myth. <laughs> I, we are not going there. I think we all are on, all on the that, same page. Jay, there, Jay's, Jay's not here. Jay's not yeah. here, so we can. Oh, <laughs> uh, little, little plug. Uh, Jay might be joining us next week, and I'm very excited Ooh. about it. The, uh, the first so, podcast since like 2011, where well, since Jay and I can when, be on. When you were invited. Well, yeah, I wasn't allowed to be on last week's podcast, Matthew. Well, I mean, gotta do what you gotta do. We have one more game. The Carolina Panthers at the New Orleans Saints. The Saints are a touchdown and an extra point favorite, uh, seven points. I like Carolina plus seven in this one. Uh, how about you, Zach? I think that's a good bet. Um, I I don't know. I, I think the difference... The the biggest difference. Oh, oh be- before you get into it, the over under is forty eight and a half, and I really like the under. Yeah, I yeah, especially because it's technically a divisional game. Yeah, I, I definitely think this could hit the under. Um, I don't think the the difference makers in in this game are going to be the 
New Orleans running backs, I think it's going to be their receivers. I I think the the key to this game is how well Michael Thomas and Ted Ginn can do in uh, in this game. I think the weakness of the Carolina defense is their secondary, um, which I guess could mean that Alvin Kamara could be Alvin Kamara. But I, I, I think Carolina can keep this close. I think they can win. But I think if New Orleans is, New Orleans is going to win this game, I think it's going to come down to their two receivers. All right, Reed. I actually like Carolina to win this game, just outright. Um, I do too. It's a Cam. It's totally a Cam Newton. Game. It's it's a Cam Newton game. Like I've seen this before. Um, in my mind, who's the best player on on the field? And, Besides Alvin uh, Kamara, it's Cam Newton. <laughs> I, I like, <laughs> yeah. like I, I think it's Cam Newton. He's got the ball in his hand every every snap, and in my in my mind, I, I just think Luke Keekley and the Carolina defense are going to do enough to neutralize the New Orleans running backs, and I think Cam Newton is going to have one of those Cam Newton games where we look where 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 we talk about it for like a whole two years, and we're like. Do you remember that Cam Newton game where he played at New Orleans and he had like 330 yards passing and 150 yards rushing? Do you remember that game where he yeah, just single-handedly took he, it over? In my mind, that, that's what this game touch, is. If he runs for two first downs on the first drive, like it's over. And he gets that smile <laughs> on his a, face. That's such a – oh, oh, you just turned up a, t- a very interesting take to a very great take, which – which brings up the question. Yeah, because you need to fucking let me finish. And I'm, well, I'm sorry for interrupting you, Reed, but I, wa- I wanted to make that point real quick, that if he gets that smile, if he gets that swagger going, like, he's yeah. going to be unstoppable. How does he smile? Like, I, I don't remember any quarterback, regardless, you know, not to mention any player in the NFL in the past five years that constantly smiles during a play. Not like before a play where like he's at the line, but like when he's getting tackled, the camera zoom, zooms in on him, and he's grinning from ear to ear. Yeah. All right, Reed. Sorry to interrupt you, man. No, it's just I like, I trust Cam Newton more than I do. I can't believe I'm saying this. I trust Cam Newton to win this game more than I do the offensive machinery like the war machine that is the New Orleans offense. And I think eventually Cam Newton's going to wear down this. He's going to just wear down the New Orleans defense. I don't, I think it's going to be a lot of like third and they're going to get to like third and three. And it'll be like a five yard in route, but like dig route by Greg Olson completed first down. I think it's going to be a lot of like choppy, long sustained drives by Carolina it's going to keep New Orleans out of rhythm. I almost like the under here, actually. I don't like the over. I, I'm the same way. I think um, that's a pretty safe bet. Yeah, so that's where I'm at on this game. It'll be a really good game. Um, it'll be nice to see. Just look at it this way. The quarterback play, you go from Tyrod Taylor versus Blake Bortles at 1 o'clock, and then at 4.30, you get Cam Newton versus Drew Brees. Like, is there ever a bigger discrepancy in, like, quality of quarterback matchup? No, I I don't. (laughs) Like, that is such – it's going to look like – The AFC is a sad sack, and I'm sorry to, like, speak about the Bills like that, but, like, I just – I'm not looking forward. Well – I'm looking forward to the Bills game a little bit, but the Tennessee Kansas City game, just like not at all. 
No, that game is going to be just like you're going to see the viewership numbers for that game just be horrendous. I think like no one maybe, wants to watch. Maybe John Gurd, maybe John Gurdon should wear like a Raiders sweatshirt when he's broadcasting that game to get people to actually change the channel there. I think that's actually a pretty good idea. Yeah, I could get behind that. <laughs> All right, I think that's about it. That we ran out of time for the evening. Uh, Reed, what do you got going on the hockey side of the on the hockey side of the Rasball world? And uh, why don't you drop your Twitter while you're at it? Um, right now, we've do- there are actually a lot of injury notes. Uh, we covered the Winter Classic. It actually should be out Thursday morning. Our podcast should be out. Um, with the three-point challenge in there as well for all you listeners. Um, you can join our one listener in Australia, Saudi Arabia. I think it's Angola, one of those like south, wow. southwestern African countries. Oh, we're all over the place. We're an international podcast. And uh, we, did a, we are starting to do a little bit of the World Junior coverage just because that tournament's going on. It's in the semifinals. So this is coming out Thursday. Maybe Friday. This one, this podcast should be out Thursday. All right. So then tonight, I guess, hold on, let me do this timing thing right. So tonight it should be at four o'clock is the U.S. versus Sweden. And what should be, what honestly, I think are the two best teams in the semifinals. And then Canada and the Czech Republic play at eight o'clock. Um, those are, I'll definitely be watching those. And then for hockey, I mean, the, the biggest story is the Vegas Golden Knights. Like, I don't – there's a sports talk radio guy in Buffalo who said before the season that the Knights make the play, Golden Knights make the playoffs, he'll eat a flip-flop. Um, mm. He since has said he will still honor that agreement. Be, and it's like at this point, he's going to have to. Like that team's making the playoffs. They're not slowing down. They're, they're a ton of fun to watch. And their future is built – like strong it's one of those they have so many prospects they have so many picks coming up and they're good right now it's it's actually quite remarkable all right uh zachary why don't you give us your twitter handle and what do you have going on on in your life i i are you you're gonna be you're gonna be writing uh some season wrap-up stuff for the football side aren't you yeah, um, you guys can follow me on Twitter at uh, Razball underscore Zach. Almost forgot it for a second. Um, <laughs> geez, I don't really have much going on for the near future. Um, we'll, you know, we'll get into a NFL draft talk, you know, after the season, and we'll turn it into, you know, full, you know, maximum overdrive uh, when it comes to NFL draft talk. But up until that point, you know. If you want to say hello on Twitter, just hit me up, and I'm stalling, and that's pretty much it. I don't, I don't really have else going on. Nothing All else right. Going on. All right. Thanks for joining us. We'll catch you next week. Peace.